Welcome to the Daily Devotions Podcast from Confident Faith. I am Corey J. Mahler, a contributor here at Confident Faith, and I will be your reader today, this third Monday after Epiphany, the 22nd of January, in the year of our Lord, 2024, in the time of Christmas. There are no feasts, festivals, or commemorations on the calendar today. Our readings for today are Psalm 69, Psalm 121, Joel chapter 2, verses 1 through 17, Romans chapter 11, verses 1 through 24, and paragraph 17 through 31 of part 4 of the Large Catechism. We will close, as always, with the Lord's Prayer. Today's first reading from the Psalter is the 69th Psalm. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire, where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters, and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out, my throat is parched, my eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Mighty are those who would destroy me, those who attack me with lies. What I did not steal, must I now restore. O God, you know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. Let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me, O Lord God of hosts. Let not those who seek you be brought to dishonor through me, O God of Israel. For it is for your sake that I have borne reproach, that dishonor has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my mother's sons. For zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. When I wept and humbled my soul with fasting, it became my reproach. When I made sackcloth my clothing, I became a byword to them. I am the talk of those who sit in the gate, and the drunkards make songs about me. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, at an acceptable time, O God, In the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. Deliver me from sinking in the mire. Let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Let not the flood sweep over me, or the deep swallow me up, or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. Hide not your face from your servant. For I am in distress, make haste to answer me. Draw near to my soul, redeem me, ransom me because of my enemies. You know my reproach, and my shame and my dishonor. My foes are all known to you. Reproaches have broken my heart, so that I am in despair. I looked for pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. Let their own table before them become a snare, and when they are at peace, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened, so that they cannot see, and make their loins tremble continually. Pour out your indignation upon them, and let your burning anger overtake them. May their camp be a desolation. Let no one dwell in their tents. For they persecute him whom you have struck down, and they recount the pain of those you have wounded. Add to them punishment upon punishment, May they have no acquittal from you. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living. Let them not be enrolled among the righteous. But I am afflicted and in pain. 
Let your salvation, O God, set me on high. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hoofs. When the humble see it, they will be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own people who are prisoners. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. For God will save Zion and build up the cities of Judah, and people shall dwell there and possess it. The offspring of his servants shall inherit it, and those who love his name shall dwell in it. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forevermore. Amen. Today's second reading from the Psalter is the 121st Psalm. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in, from this time forth and forevermore. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forevermore. Amen. Today's Old Testament reading comes from the book of Joel, and we will be reading the second chapter, verses 1 through 17. Blow a trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, it is near. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness there is spread upon the mountains a great and powerful people. Their like has never been before, nor will be again after them, through the years of all generations. Fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the garden of Eden before them, but behind them a desolate wilderness, and nothing escapes them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like war horses they run. As with the rumbling of chariots, they leap on the tops of the mountains, like the crackling of a flame of fire, devouring the stubble, like a powerful army drawn up for battle. Before them peoples are in anguish, all faces grow pale, like warriors they charge, like soldiers they scale the wall, they march each on his way, they do not swerve from their paths, they do not jostle one another, each marches in his path, they burst through the weapons, and are not halted, they leap upon the city, they run upon the walls, they climb up into the houses, they enter through the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters his voice before his army, for his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful, for the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? 
Yet even now declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent, and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants, let the bridegroom leave his room, and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep, and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's New Testament reading comes from the book of Romans, and we will be reading the 11th chapter, verses 1 through 24. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it but the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear, down to this very day. And David says, Let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass salvation has come to the nations, so as to make Israel jealous. Now if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the nations, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Now I am speaking to you peoples, inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the nations. I magnify my ministry, in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous, and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, Branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. 
Note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree, and grafted, contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's reading from the Book of Concord comes from the Large Catechism, and we will be reading Part 4, Paragraph 17 through 31. Understand the difference, then. Baptism is quite a different thing from all other water. This is not because of its natural quality, but because something more noble is added here. God himself stakes his honor, his power, and his might on it. Therefore, baptism is not only natural water, but a divine, heavenly, holy, and blessed water, and whatever other terms we can find to praise it. This is all because of the word, which is a heavenly, holy word, which no one can praise enough, for it has and is able to do all that God is and can do. In this way, it also gets its essence as a sacrament, as St. Augustine also taught. When the word is joined to the element or natural substance, it becomes a sacrament, that is, a holy and divine matter and sign. We always teach the sacraments and all outward things that God ordains and institutes should not be considered according to the coarse outward mask, the way we look at a nutshell, but we respect them because God's word is included in them. For we also speak of the parental estate and of civil government in this way. If we intend only to recognize that they have noses, eyes, skin, and hair, flesh and bones, they look like Turks and heathen. Someone might start up and say, Why should I value them more than others? Because this commandment is added, Honor your father and your mother. I see a different person, adorned and clothed with God's majesty and glory. The commandment, I say, is the gold chain about his neck. Yes, that is the crown upon his head, which shows me how and why one must honor this flesh and blood. So, and even much more, you must honor baptism, and consider it glorious because of the word. For God himself has honored it both by words and deeds. Furthermore, he confirmed it with miracles from heaven. Do you think it was a joke that, when Christ was baptized, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended visibly, and everything was divine glory and majesty? I encourage again that these two, the water and the word, by no means be separated from each other and parted, for if the word is separated from it, the water is the same as the water that the servant cooks with. It may indeed be called a bathkeeper's baptism. But when the word is added, as God has ordained, it is a sacrament. It is called Christ's baptism. Let this be the first part about the holy sacrament's essence and dignity. In the second place, since we know now what baptism is and how it is to be regarded, we must also learn why and for what purpose it is instituted. We must learn what it profits, gives, and works. For this also, we cannot find a better resource than Christ's words quoted above. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Therefore, stated most simply in this way, the power, work, 
profit, fruit, and purpose of baptism is this, to save. For no one is baptized in order that he may become a prince, but, as the words say, that he be saved. We know that to be saved is nothing other than to be delivered from sin, death, and the devil. It means to enter into Christ's kingdom and to live with him forever. Here you see again how highly and preciously we should value baptism, because in it we receive such an unspeakable treasure. This also proves that it cannot be ordinary mere water, for mere water could not do such a thing. But the word does it, and as I said above, so does the fact that God's name is included in baptism. Where God's name is, there must also be life and salvation. So baptism may certainly be called a divine, blessed, fruitful, and gracious water. Such power is given to baptism by the word that it is a washing of new birth, as St. Paul also calls it in Titus 3.5. Our would-be wise new spirits assert that faith alone saves, and that works and outward things do nothing. We answer, it is true indeed, that nothing in us is of any use but faith, as we shall hear still further. But these blind guides are unwilling to see this. Faith must have something that it believes, that is, of which it takes hold, and upon which it stands and rests. So faith clings to the water and believes that in baptism there is pure salvation and life. This is not through the water, as we have stated well enough, but through the fact that it is embodied in God's word and institution, and that God's name abides in it. Now if we believe this, what else is it than believing in God as the one who has given and planted his word into this ordinance and offers to us this outward thing by which we may gain such a treasure? Now these new spirits are so crazy that they separate faith and the object to which faith clings and is bound, even if it is something outward. Yes, it shall and must be something outward, so that it may be grasped by our senses and understood, and by them be brought into the heart. For indeed, the entire gospel is an outward verbal preaching. In short, what God does and works in us, he intends to work through such outward ordinances. Therefore, wherever he speaks, indeed, no matter what direction or by whatever means he speaks, faith must look there. It must hold to that object. Now here we have the words, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. What else can these words refer to but baptism? that is, to the water included in God's ordinance. Therefore, it makes sense that whoever rejects baptism rejects God's word, faith, and Christ, who directs us to baptism and binds us to baptism. This concludes our reading from the Book of Concord. I now invite all of you to join me in reciting the Lord's Prayer, one of the most ancient prayers of the Church, I do encourage you to say it aloud. If you are somewhere, it would be reasonable to do so. But praying it silently is, of course, also fine. The Lord knows what is in your heart. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
go in peace and grace to serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whatever calling has been given you or task set before you. Until tomorrow, God be with you.